Welcome back to Wake Up Winden, the show where we're going to be recapping Netflix's Dark episode by episode. You were just being led in by Agnes Obel's Familiar, and you could have heard that in the episode we're covering today, Season 1, Episode 3, Past and Present. I'm your host, Brian. I'm going to be flying solo today. Hope that's okay with everybody. Hope you'll bear with me. I'm trying to get as many episodes out before the Season 3 premiere as possible. Um, we're only four days away from it here. It's June 23rd and really going to uh, start focusing on season three material when that drops. So I'll be looking to record as many podcasts about season three as uh, those come out. Um, and right now I'm going to be doing season uh, one, episode three. It'll be spoiler free and we're going to um, have a spoiler section at the end, but I will be uh, very clear when that happens and we can talk about everything up to the season three premiere because obviously I'm not there yet. So, um, we'll be talking about season one, episode three, and I'm going to get into the uh, storylines right now. So, we have an episode that is focused on 1986, specifically one day. It's November 5th, 1986. And we have a main focus on, you know, Mikkel, because we were wondering what happened to him following episode one. We never saw him in episode two. So in episode three, we actually find out his fate. He's in the 80s. We knew at the end of episode two, excuse me. But we see what happens to him following that little interaction he had with Ulrich. So he goes to see Yana, who is having a tough time. Um, she thinks that he is Mads at first. Mads had just disappeared. And she's just absolutely wrecked. She's trying to grab him. She's holding on to him. And she's hurting him. And he ends up running out of the house. And I'm going to stay with Mikkel's storyline for a little bit. And we'll just go through his storyline and we'll get to some of the other major ones. So Mikkel ends up going to school. He sees his mom, Katerina, who, uh, guys, how did Katerina ever become principal um, with how she has started off as a character? You know, we've seen her in only two interactions and she's just made fun of Mikkel. Both times she's making fun of the current principal using some homophobic slurs. Katerina not looking great right now. Um, we will see, uh, obviously you can change a lot from a teenager to an adult and obviously Katarina does, but not really a great impression of Katarina in the eighties. So we move, uh, Mikkel, he doesn't really find what he's looking for at school. Uh, he's still confused. He doesn't even know what date it is yet. And he ends up going to the police station because that's where his father Ulrich works in 2019. So it's actually Egon Tiedemann who is the chief of police. And Egon Tiedemann is uh, Reg Regina's grandmother and Claudia's father. And we'll meet both of them in the 80s in this episode as well. So Mikkel uh, tells Egon that he is Ulrich Nielsen's son. And Egon is like, you must be joking. So we obviously know that they must have a past. And Egon's been on the case of the missing Mads Nielsen. And they haven't been successful. I think they said it's been four weeks, and he's probably getting a lot of pressure, much like Ulrich and Charlotte are in the present day. So Egon's having a real tough time, and he uh, doesn't believe Mikkel, obviously, because Ulrich's a 15-year-old, and Mikkel's you know, probably 11, so math doesn't really work out. And he thinks Ulrich, in fact, was the one who injured him and hurt him. So he says, you know what? You stay here. I'm going to find Ulrich, make sure that, you know, uh, he stops doing this to you. So he leaves, leaves Mikkel there, and we are introduced to Nurse Enos, who we know from the present as Jonas's grandma. And 
you know, they gave her the distinct mole because they wanted us to recognize her in the 80s. So when we first see her, she's at the hospital and she ends up covering for a shift for one of her coworkers. So it's weird because, you know, fate, they talk about fate a lot in this, um, in this series and she shouldn't even be working that night. She shouldn't be the one to even pick up Mikkel. But here she is uh, covering for somebody else and that's why she ends up going to the police station to go pick him up. So... We know that this is Jonas' grandma. I don't want to explicitly say anything, but there are some clues, obviously, that we're trying to follow here. And we can get into that in the spoiler section. It's not made explicit here. Um, so we go from the hospital. Uh, or no, excuse me. So, you know, Enos picks up Mikkel and takes him to the hospital. And they try to, like, work on Mikkel there. They try to get his name from him. Uh, they can't. And Mikkel... He finally only tells Enos what had happened to him, and he tells her that he's from the future. Obviously, very unsettling for Enos. She looks at the uh, comic book that he has, Future Man, kind of looks at it. I was wondering, does she think he's just inspired by this, or is she legitimately kind of creeped out by this and believe him? So after that, Mikkel decides to take off, and he runs to the caves, and he gets to the caves, but he can't quite find the crossing, he trips and falls. He's only got a lighter to light his, guide his way. And he trips and falls. And he is screaming and he's in pain. He's search, uh, screaming for help. And on the other side, in 2019, Ulrich is also searching for him. You know, he's got a golf club and he's trying to get through the uh, stupid door that they have in the caves. I don't know. And he can't get, he can't get through it. And they could hear each other, but they can't quite connect. They're obviously not in the same period. I was wondering, so is that, are they close to where they could connect? Because obviously they could hear one another. Why can't they find each other? And I'm guessing it's probably just too dark and Mikkel probably couldn't just find the right way. Ulrich probably couldn't just find the right way. So we, that's kind of Mikkel's whole storyline. Um, you know, it must be very jarring for him to come into this world and uh, just, you know, it's great when he goes to the high school and he sees all the 80s clothes. And it's a really great little montage there of, you know, fashion and music. And it's really awesome to see that. And But Mikkel just must be totally fried by this knowledge. And uh, it's hard to cope with it. And when he repeats 1986 in a dazed voice to Egon, uh, you really see him, like, processing, like, what's happening with him. Like, um, I used to be a teacher uh, in, a, <laughs> in a classroom. And I doubt, like, the, I mean, maybe in Germany, they could, the kids in my class could not have uh, done the math from 2019 to 1986. So um, he was probably trying to do that math in his head. Maybe Mikkel could have figured it out. He's probably old enough. But um, anyway, <laughs> that's the Mikkel storyline. And we get the introduction to Enos, who we do know from the present as Jonas's grandmother. So we're introduced to Claudia Tiedemann. And we get a lot of time with Claudia in this episode. Claudia is Regina's mom, and we know Regina from the hotel. And I've been really hard on Regina in the first two episodes. And seeing her past, you know, makes, makes me feel sympathetic for her and makes me feel bad about making fun of her. Because in the previous episodes, she was kind of um, really self-interested in the Wyndon Hotel. But in this episode, you see her mother just treats her so horribly oh you're such a limp dish rag oh what is that do something with your hair run a comb through your hair um all the way on the way to school because Regi Reg um, excuse me claudia is you know she's a big wig a big shot she's becoming 
uh, the head of the power plant in this episode, which we find out not only are you in charge of the 612 employees that work there, it also kind of means that you're in charge of the entire town. Uh, the entire town depends on the nuclear energy, even after Chernobyl. So it's a real big deal. She was voted unanimously by the board. Claudia is a big shot. She is a big, big deal. And she treats her daughter like absolute dirt. And it you really feel for Regina. I'm just going to fast forward to the only other part we see of Regina in this episode. So when she comes home at the end and she reveals that she has cut marks on her wrist and you really feel horrible for her. You really wonder um, how absent is Claudia? How many times does this happen? Because she calls on the answering machine and leaves a message. I'm going to be working late tonight. Something came up. And you know that's probably happened countless times before. Regina looks really sad and she reveals the uh, cut marks on her wrist. And uh, there's no mention of Claudia's father, excuse me, Re uh, Claudia's husband or the father of Regina in this episode. We do see a scene where Claudia meets Tronte, who we know is Ulrich's father. And Tronte is a journalist in this time. He's got a real sick mustache. Looks like a, he, he is, he's, let's just be honest, he's a total scumbag, guys. He's, uh, he's cheating on Yana, who is going through a terrible, terrible time dealing with the loss of her son Mads and this guy Tronte this this douchebag is out here trying to you know um be with other women and he's trying to meet Claudia and I'm really happy that Claudia ends up standing him up at the end of the episode it looks like they're supposed to meet at the uh park bench the uh where Hannah and uh, the bus stop excuse me and they're supposed to meet there and they ended up not meeting there at the end he just kind of is waiting for her so I'm glad that at least she stood him up um, but so Claudia, she also meets Helg and Helga is, um, Charlotte's father-in-law and we've seen him run through and, uh, in the first episode, he interrupted the town meeting about the missing kids in 2019. He's an old man with dementia in that time. However, in this time he is working at the power plant and paying close attention. You've got to really pay close attention at these power plant scenes. He is the power plant, uh, the power plant owner's father. And he's like kind of looking at pictures in the in the beginning of that episode. So Helga works there, and he told him that his uh, he told Claudia that his father said that the board voted them her unanimous, and he gives her a book, and uh, it's wrapped in a present. She opens it later in the episode. It's called A Journey Through Time by H. G. Tanhouse. So so now Claudia, uh, Claudia goes to see uh, Burns Doppler, who is in charge of the power plant, and. She wants to know about the figures from 85 and 86. It seems like there's some secrets going on. Some things are maybe not above board. And it seems like Claudia is trying to figure out from the old boss what has happened to the power plant in recent years. And he tells her that there's a lot of secrets, but they trusted her to do this job. Can, they, um, can she do this job? He also tells her what we know is but a drop in the ocean, which is oh, you know, one of those profound dark lines that um, will become so commonplace throughout the series but i really liked that line and he's kind of showing her to the cave area and of course we know the caves are where the mysterious things happened the time traveling and things like that so claudia ends up rappelling down there very impressively i might add and she's still in her work clothes and she is led to these barrels these yellow barrels 
and it's it's just a lot of barrels, folks. <laughs> what can I say? Um, now, the first time through, so watching this as a first-time viewer, I don't know what to think about these barrels. Bunch of yellow barrels probably have some radioactive waste in them, maybe. It looks like they're marked with a danger symbol, and that's what I know about them then. Um, if you want to stay tuned for the spoiler section, we can delve into that further, but all I know from this point as a first-time viewer is these look like some danger barrels, something like that. Um, and so that's Claudia's storyline. And the last storyline we're going to focus on today is Egon's storyline. And we'll mix in a little Ulrich and Hannah with that. But Egon is at the police station at first, and he gets a call about these dead sheep. And there's 33 dead sheep, all just, um, they died the same way. Um, they were healthy the day before, and now they're not. They're all dead. Cardiac arrest, it turns out. And when he goes to the morgue to find out about these things, he finds out that they have ruptured eardrums as well. Same thing that was with the uh, missing child who showed up in the last episode. So there seems to be a connection there. Um, I had speculated in the last episode that maybe it happens when somebody time travels, but we didn't really see that in this episode. So I don't really know what to make of that unless it was happening off screen. Um, so besides the dead sheep in the morgue part, he visits Ulrich in between. And we have a 15-year-old Ulrich, of course. And he's listening to this creator song. And uh, they have the line, My only aim is to take lives. The more, the better, I feel. And Egon repeats this to him in English. And he's like, why do you listen to this garbage? And Egon is just like, buzz off. You smell. You're drinking again. No wonder you can't solve this case. You're the worst. I hate you. And Egon is like, whoa, man. That was pretty harsh. Um, I want to find Mads just as much as you do. But... Turns out uh, that he thinks, he kind of suspects Ulrich because he sees a hoof on his table. Not sure what Ulrich is doing with a hoof, but none of them sheep were missing a hoof in any at any rate. Um, he is saved when his mom, Yana, walks in and she kind of, uh, <laughs> Ulrich kind of just slams Egon again. He's like, oh, tell, tell her what you, he's kind of like Joffrey here. He's like, tell her what you found. Oh, that's right. You found nothing. You drunk. Go back and drink some whiskey, you big jerk. So anyway, uh, sorry. And anyway, he uh, Ulrich pretty much just sends Egon off. And with uh, his mom there, Egon can't really do anything about it. We do get a sad moment where, um, you know, the mom, Yana, reveals that she only leaves the door open because Mads forgot his keys. It's been four weeks at this point. So it's just really sad that she's holding out like this. And she's still hopeful that something will come of it. She's hopeful that. You know, Mads is still alive, but, you know, it's just sad because reality is going to sink in. And um, we see that she still is not coping with it well, even 33 years later. And, of course, she's got that winner husband. So, you know, who, uh, you know, with that support, uh, no wonder she's you know, in rough shape. So, yeah, Trant is a piece of shit. All right. Now, so some other minor things from this episode. Um I really liked uh, the guy at the morgue. I was laughing at him when he invited uh, Egon to eat U Yugoslavian meatballs. Uh, kind of a sign of the 80s, right? Uh, Yugoslavia, no longer a country, split up into many different countries. And he's kind of like making jokes like uh, Egon is kind of like on a different wave than he is. He's Egon's being very serious in the scene. And this guy, you know, he's inviting him to dinner. 
he's like talking about how the sheep are as God created them. Um, he doesn't think that anything's wrong. He thinks that like a panic set this all off and it might be common. Uh, Egon kind of doesn't think so. And Egon is kind of having a tougher time, uh, um, explaining all this and coming up with theories. You know, he's still wrapped in the Mads Nielsen case. So it's really tough for Egon right now. Um, the other thing is, uh, I really liked when they were, uh, the, brief scene we had of Hannah and Katarina talking about the tape that Katarina was passing around and I think Hannah was saying that she preferred Falco and that's that song Rock Me Amadeus I'm assuming it's the one I know I mean how many songs about Amadeus could there be but I do like seeing all these pop culture references throughout the episode um at the beginning of the episode they kind of trick us right because we see that um Yana is watching tv but we think it's that song from the 80s I thought we were going to be in the torture room Turns out that Yana was watching the very same, uh, the very same music video that is played in the torture room. So um, I like how they kind of just fool us with that, and I really like just the different songs. The songs are just so on point in this series, and we get our first, I think, real certified banger in uh, Familiar coming up with these musical montage. You know, at the end they do such a good job with this, and. Um, really like to be curious um how it goes when they film these things like okay all right actor playing ulrich now look really angsty slowly look up at the camera yep this is when agnes opal is going to be popping in and i really like because they they're like the masters of like looking slowly at the camera as a musical montage starts and then i love when they do the split screen and you get you know two of the characters side by side if you look at the uh, actress who plays Jan Nielsen in both timelines, they look exactly alike. They did such a good job with that. Um, you could definitely imagine the middle-aged woman becoming the older version of her. Um, I think Ulrich, fantastic, is fantastic casting. You could see that 15-year-old becoming the Ulrich Nielsen that we love to hate. Um, scumbag rap, rap scallion that he is. Um, and... Uh, I'm not too sympathetic towards Egon in this episode. He seems like he is just kind of like over the hill and not really, he hasn't solved the case. He's quick to blame Ulrich. Um, we don't really know what happened between him and Ulrich at this point. We know Mads is missing. Is it something like he suspects Ulrich in the Mads case and did that lead to bad blood? But I don't really get the beef between them right now. Maybe Ulrich's just like that typical punk skateboarder that's going around Vinden and uh, just causing havoc for Egon. And, you know, Egon wants to retire and he's chasing this kid around, putting out his cigarettes. It's a nightmare, you know. Um, we get a scene with Ulrich and Hannah, you know, that, you know, foreshadows their cheating, cheating ways in the future. Um, they're at the bus station and um, Ulrich is just so anti-Winden, right? He, uh, they're seeing that it's about to rain. It looks like it's a big thunderstorm coming up. And they think it would be the apocalypse. But uh, Hannah says it's... or does Ulrich, I think Ulrich says it's disappointing because he thought it would be more glaring. Uh, I just like this scene. And I don't know... I don't know. Because like when I see Katerina and Hannah as kids, like Hannah seems way better. Katerina just seems like a jerk. And Hannah seems really nice in all the scenes we've seen with her um, as a child. So... Um, it's interesting that Ulrich picked Katarina. Katarina made more popular. Um, she looks a little older, I guess, than Hannah. But 
I really do feel bad for the child version of Hannah knowing that she won't be with Ulrich uh, in the future, um, except as kind of, you know, each other's side piece. Uh, so it's, it's pretty tough there. Um, and let's see, what else do we got here? Um, I might be getting ready to get into spoilers pretty soon. I do apologize for having a shorter episode um, as the recap. Um, I just wanted to kind of try this out for my first solo pod. I uh, just wanted to see if I could do it. I did hear that it's one of the toughest things you can do. So I do apologize if this is just an unmitigated disaster. If you're still listening, God bless you. Um, it is hard to make jokes just solo. I, I will say that. Um, and I do want to talk. There is a lot of things for spoilers I want to talk about. So if you have watched all the way through season two, episode eight, I will be talking about some things all the way up until then. Um, nothing from season three. I haven't seen it yet. So I do like that Tiedemann tells uh, Mikkel that he is certain that Ulrich Nielsen will never work here. And, you know, Ulrich becomes a cop later on, obviously. And I don't think he's the head cop. It looks like Charlotte's, Charlotte's kind of his boss, but he does work there. So Egon, uh, not quite the fortune teller. I did like that. All right, so... With that, I think I'm going to head into spoilers, guys. Sorry for the shorter episode today. But I'm going to talk about spoilers. So maybe go about 10 more minutes probably talking about uh, different things that will come up. Uh, things that I noticed in this episode. And anything beyond. So if this is your first time watching Dark, um, we'll talk to you next time. I'm going to have a guest for Season 1, Episode 4. It won't just be me rambling. Again, I apologize for that. Um, just trying to get some content out there, uh, working on all 18 episodes is a big, it's a big, uh, big challenge, but I'm, I'm up for it. I have written about it over at wakeupwinden.com. So you can read every single recap, uh, read my plot summaries, my thoughts, and I've taken a lot of stupid memes and screenshots and tried to make jokes about it along the way. So give it a check. If you would follow me on Twitter at wakeupwinden. You can email the show, wakeupwinden at gmail.com. And um, yeah, word uh, wakeupwinden.com too. Check out my recaps. So this is spoilers, all right? I'm going to count down. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. So Mikkel is obviously Michael. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember my first time seeing it. I'm pretty sure... I was thinking that as soon as I saw Nurse Enos. But yeah, obviously, Mikkel becomes Michael. He marries Hannah and has Jonas as a son, making Jonas Ulrich's grandson and Marta's nephew. It's a big mess for Jonas. So um, a lot leads from that. So this is like a huge, huge deal. It's going to be revealed in episode five about Mikkel. Um, okay, so the one thing I really wanted to talk about was Helga giving Claudia that book, The Journey Through Time. Because eventually Claudia will bring this book back in time to give to H.G. Tanhouse, who's never seen the book, but he gets that book. And once he gets it, he writes the book because he has it. So he calls that the bootstrap paradox. And there's no origin for this, right? Because who knows when it started? It's just kind of a circle. Claudia brings it back. He creates it. Um, was it always there? It, this is what's so like a mind-blowing about Dark is that you just don't... Uh, it really, like, when you think about the bootstrap paradox, it just, like, makes my head hurt, but it's really cool as well. All this time-traveling stuff. Um, I really just love the possibilities they can do with this show. Um, 
that Ulrich Hanna scene that I mentioned at the bus stop, this exact same scene plays out just in reverse in season two, episode six, an endless cycle. Ulrich and Hannah just reverse lines. And I don't know if like, is this something that they like get together and do every year? I'm not really sure, but Ulrich and Hannah get together and they, this is when like they first cheat on each other, I think. And their lines are reversed and Hannah imagines a world without Wyndham. And of course, as we go to season three, are we going to see that world without Wyndon? Um, with the alternate dimensions, I'm really curious to see if we are going to see that because that has been brought up. A world without Wyndon. Ulrich really hates Wyndon. Um, and, you know, by the end of his life, I would too. I'm not sure why 15 year old Ulrich hates Wyndon. Probably because his brother's missing, but I guess that's uh, understandable. Um, let's talk about Enos next. Nurse Enos. Okay, so I thought I liked her until I got to season two and she's drugging Mikkel. Didn't like that. Didn't like that one bit. Um, I can tell you that I think that Enos is part of Sigmundus. I saw just like a brief thing of that on Twitter and it got me thinking. And I thought, okay, so I know she's going to bring in Noah in episode four to talk to Mikkel. And Noah being there is the catalyst for Mikkel to stay. Because Mikkel tries to leave at one point and Noah confronts him at the caves. And he reminds them of their talk at the hospital and he somehow gets Mikkel to stay I don't know if I was Mikkel I would have I would have left but Noah is introduced to Mikkel by Enos so Enos knows Noah and Enos is drugging Mikkel maybe partly to keep him happy in the present um when Ulrich tries to take him back to the present he does recognize Ulrich and he's happy to be with his papa but it turns out that he can't like even fight back. And I think that we're supposed to take is because he's getting drugged that he can't even stand up and say, no, that is my father. Um, so I'm really curious if Enos, I think she's bad. I don't know if she's good. I don't know if like, I don't know. Is sick moon just like, they're all bad. Right. I mean, what are we to think? Like, I think Claudia and, and, um, and Adam, they're both, they're both shitty. I think they're working together. They're both like taking part in killing people and they talk about it's for a sacrifice, but come on, we rooting for these guys. I'm not, I know who I'm rooting for. Charlotte, Franziska, Elizabeth. Not Bartosz, I can tell you that. Um, definitely not Noah. But um, there's just like a lot. And I talked about how I felt bad for Hannah. And I saw Hannah, you know, she was really nice in these uh, first episodes. And especially in the 80s. And to see where Hannah goes when Hannah leaves Ulrich in the 50s. And she is just one bad mother. She goes to see uh, Ulrich and she leaves him there. She just goes to see him to taunt him. So this does not end well with Hannah and Ulrich. And I think Hannah ends up to go live in the 50s. We'll have to see in season three. But I'm really curious to see where Hannah's storyline goes. Um, the, uh, guy who, the guy who uh, had the sheep who died, uh, the, the, the farmer, he was uh, talking about there's a new priest in, priest in town and that's going to be Noah. And I think it's gonna we're gonna see Noah in the next episode sitting bedside at Mikkel's uh, hospital bed. So I'll be looking out for that in the next episode. But uh, Noah gets a mention as early as season uh, season one episode three. Um, and you know the Helg storyline too is just <laughs> so messed up to for Helg to get beat up by Ulrich uh, just to the point of death, and then that's the only reason that he's in the position to meet Noah. 
Uh, they talk about how time chose Helg. And yeah, that is really rough. Um, really, really rough stuff for Helg. I don't know who's the saddest character. Um, they, I feel bad for almost all of them <laughs> at some point. It's such a messed up knot that they're in. Um, even though Ulrich's such a scumbag, what happens to him being trapped in the 50s? Man, that's rough. And just like he's there forever. That's his life. He, his life ends and he lives in the 50s through the 80s and gets one brief chance to get out, get outside. I do wonder if we're going to see uh, if there is anything that happened in those 33 years. If we're going to see the uh, actor, I think Oliver Masushi, who plays the um, main Ulrich. I wonder if we're going to see him in season three. Looks like there's going to be like some alternate alternate dimensional Rick stuff, but uh, I'm really curious to see what uh, if like he'll have any like prison scenes anymore. I bet we do. I bet we do. Um, and I hate Egon in this episode, but by the time of his death, I really love Egon. Um, I feel really bad for him by the end. Uh, you know, he's you know who could figure out this whole mess of time travel, and he gets pretty damn close at the end, even though it took him you know 33 years. But he does get pretty damn close. And, you know, his daughter never talks to him by the end. And uh, it's just really sad what happens to him in season two. And the way he dies and calling his daughter the White Devil. Really extremely rough stuff for Egon. All right. So um, that's all I got for spoilers, I think, for this one. We could talk all day about that, but we'll save them for future pods. Hopefully we'll have more guests on soon. I'm going to have... uh, my cousin Jerry on for the next episode. Very excited to talk to him about season one, episode four. So thanks guys for sticking in. Um, sorry about solo pod. Hopefully my ramblings uh, made some sense and hopefully gave you something to listen to. If you're commuting or going to work or anything, um, really appreciate the follow on Twitter. If you can uh, at wake up Winden. and uh, thank you so much. If you, if this is on iTunes by now, um, rating and reviewing it would be amazing and uh hoping to get more guests on in the future too all right thanks everybody take care bye bye